Well, take your Bibles now and let's go to the book of Hebrews and we're going to continue on. I've taken you through the first chapter and we'll come to the second chapter this morning. And I want to read the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 2. You stand with me as we read God's Word. <clears throat> Therefore, we must give the er more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Let's pray. Father, we lay our hearts before you this morning. We ask you, Lord, to speak to us. We understand, O oh Lord, that you would not speak in an audible voice, but we full well know that you will speak to our hearts. We know, O oh Lord, that you move men and women, boys and girls, that you woo them to yourself, that you seek to refine each of us who call you our Lord and to make us more like yourself. So, Father, for all of this, we ask your blessing. And we pray, O oh Lord, that your word would do what you desire to do and that our hearts would receive it. And we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Be seated. <clears throat> Just to remind you that the book of Hebrews was written to a diverse audience. Uh, they had within the readership of this particular epistle those individuals who had come to faith who had crowned Jesus king. And yet they were looking back at Judaism. They were sort of reminiscing about all of the pomp and circumstance of their religion. They were having a few little questions about this new way that they had, had uh, plugged into. And the writer to the Hebrews wants to encourage them to continue on. Don't give up. Don't go back. There's another group of people that would be reading this letter, and that's a group of people who know about Jesus. They know about God, but they have not committed their hearts to the Lord. In other words, they have a head knowledge, but they do not have a heart knowledge. And then there's a third group of people, the group of people that the writer hopes to shake out of their complacency a group of people who are not believers and have no interest in becoming believers but we know that the power of God can change their hearts and so did the writer of this particular letter we have in view this morning these individuals primarily who are unbelievers they have a head knowledge but they have not the knowledge of the heart let me illustrate it for you very quickly Simon the sorcerer, you remember him in Acts chapter 8? Simon, who the Bible says believed 
use that word. He believed. He was baptized. But just a few verses later, it is revealed that his motivation is all wrong. He wants the power that he has seen. He is a magician. And he wants the power that he has seen exercised through the apostles by the Holy Spirit. Peter says to him, you are caught up in the own wickedness of your heart. And it becomes very clear that Simon the sorcerer, though it says he believed, was not truly born again. And then you have in the same chapter the Ethiopian eunuch. And we have Philip who was transported miraculously into the desert and there he met up with a, an official of the queen's court. He is reading the book of Isaiah. He doesn't really know what he's reading. And Philip comes along and explains the way to him, explains the way of salvation. And the, the Bible says that the Ethiopian eunuch came to a body of water, he, he and Philip, and he said, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe in your heart, you may. You see the difference? It's head versus heart. There is a great salvation within our grasp, the writer tells us here in the book of Hebrews. First of all, we do not want to let so great a salvation slip away. Look at verse 1 once again. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. <clears throat> why must we listen? This is why. The word therefore gives it away. You remember in chapter 1, we talked all about how Jesus is better than the angels. Remember? Therefore, because Jesus is better than the angels, he has a better message than the angels. Therefore, we must listen to the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no seminar. There is no uh, uh, training session. There is no business meeting that is more significant and more important than the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. I was uh, in management with UPS for a few years before the Lord called me out of that and into his service. And uh, they were constantly sending us on this uh, workshop and that training session and this seminar. And we were going here and there and yonder and uh, being uh, very well versed and trained in how to deal with people and those kinds of things. And I'll tell you this. If you're a believer, I'll just throw this in. If you're a believer here, you don't have to be trained how to deal with people. <laughs> Jesus already explained it. Jesus already invaded the heart. Jesus already has settled that with you so that you know and you are equipped and you have the Spirit of God in you that will propel you to be the best person you can be. But we must listen to this message, the gospel. Secondly, not only why we must listen, but how we must listen. Look at it in the verse. 
We, all of us who hear the truth, the author of the writer includes himself. He had heard the truth and he had responded to the truth. We must give heed. It is a necessity. It is not an option. It is an urgent need. Why? Because of who is speaking. Who is speaking here? The Lord is speaking. You want, you want to, we want to give heed to the Lord. You may not want to listen to me, but I beg you, listen to God. You may not want to hear my ramblings, but I beg you this morning, I beseech you, listen to God, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the one who has made you, sustains you, and can carry you all the way through eternity. You listen to him. We must give heed. We must listen to the Lord. Give the more earnest heed. Give more attention than to angels. Give more attention than to kings. Give more attention to the Lord's message than to presidents. Give more attention to the Lord's message than anyone on the face of this earth. We must listen. Thirdly, to what we must listen. The things. The things we have heard. There are so many things. You know, all my life I've heard things from this Bible. All my life I have heard the Word. I have not always liked it. I have not always responded to it. I have rejected it at times. But I've heard the things, many things. You see, the word of the Lord and the gospel and the message is not a passing fad. It is not something that will be here today and gone tomorrow. These are the things. These are the important things. These are the things that we must listen to. The things which you have heard. Fourthly, consider... Not only why we must listen, how we must listen, to what we must listen, but the danger of not listening. There it is. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest, perhaps, you see, danger is present. The danger of slipping away or the danger of letting these things slip from our grasp. The danger of rejection. The danger of eternity without God. The danger of being separated from God and all this good. The danger is there. Lest. But on the other hand, so is the opportunity. The opportunity is there. Perhaps. Lest we drift away. Now the King James Version says, uh, lest we let it slip. And that's a fair rendering. There's really, in the end, there's no difference between the two renderings. It it produces the same result. Lest we drift away or lest we let it slip. To drift away, that means to flow by. It's gliding by like in a river. Have you ever been down a river in a in a in a in a, in a tu- uh, inner tube or maybe on a raft? You're floating down the river. And if you're in a if you're in one of those lazy rivers, you're just floating by. You're gliding as in a river. Maybe you're caught up in a little swifter river and you're rushing down the river. Maybe it's like I saw one time a guy fall into a mountain 
stream and uh and it was kind of rushing and i wanted i ran to the shore thinking i could do something to help him he was being taken away but there was a some uh, overhanging tree branches there that he could grab onto and save himself and so he did here's the danger here's the danger of not listening the danger is that you will float down maybe in a rushing river and the anchor the anchor who is jesus is there for you to grab hold of but because you are not listening you miss the anchor and then you pass right by it and you've lost your opportunity that's the danger of not listening you forfeit the opportunity to grab hold of something and the only thing the only one the only person the only anchor that is safe to bring you to safety is the Lord Jesus Christ it's a tragic picture to see and to think of someone being swept away Complacency will do that. There's a second thing this morning I want to share with you. And that is do not ignore so great a salvation. It transitions from what I was just saying into this. And it's in verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward... How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Do not ignore so great a salvation. See, we're talking about a great message. We're talking about what the Bible calls so great salvation. God spoke through angels, it says in verse 2. For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast. Listen, the messages from angels prove to be true and prove to be right. You remember the angels that came to Abraham and said, you know, you're going to have a child about this time next year. And Sarah laughed. They were old. Seemed impossible, but it came to pass. You remember the angels that shortly afterwards went to Sodom and had to rescue Lot? There just in time. The message of the angels was true. It was steadfast. It was sure. It was reliable. But now God has spoken through his son. God spoke through angels, but now God has spoken through through his son if God's messages through the angels was to be heeded how much more God's messages and message through his son you see the overall thread running through the book remember it is Jesus is better he's better than angels his message is better than the message of angels Jesus is better in every way God spoke through angels. And God has spoken through his son. Thirdly, God warns of the peril of ignoring the son's message. That's in verse 3 again. How shall we escape 
How shall we flee away? It is the word that means to slip out of one's cape. It reminds me of the story of Joseph. You remember what happened? He was in Potiphar's house, and that woman was constantly badgering Joseph, and it got to the point where she grabbed hold of him, and the Bible says that he, did, he ran. Hey, he ran from temptation, y'all. He didn't toy with it. He didn't play with it. He didn't flirt with it. He didn't see how far he could get, how close he could get to it. He ran from temptation. And his garment was left in her hands. One of, one of his garments left in her hands. Slipped out. It, 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 he, he slipped away. He escaped. The question is, how shall we escape? The answer is, we cannot. It's a rhetorical question. We cannot escape if we neglect. How should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, let me tell you this. You neglect something, and it will go away, right? You have a business. You neglect that business. That business is going to fail. You have a crop. You neglect that crop. Uh, the crop is going to burn up. You have your family. You neglect your family. Your family may fail. This is the same way. If you neglect, if you ignore so great a salvation, how can such a one escape? Cannot. Neglecting is not hard to do. I think I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again because um, it's almost a certainty, almost 100%, that some of you weren't here the last time I told this. So I know, think about it. One of my favorite tracks, favorite little publications. <clears throat> is uh, it's, it's in my file somewhere and it's all, it's all uh, moldy and mildewed. I probably couldn't even handle it now, but <clears throat> it's somewhere in there. I saw it probably 30 years ago, 20 years ago, however long it's been. And uh, <clears throat> I've kept it because it was so meaningful. The front of the tract says, How to Go to Hell. That's kind of a shocking Big bold letters. How to go to hell. And, you know, I'm, I'm eager to read about that. I mean, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not doing anything to open it up. It's blank. You get it? You see, how to go to hell, do nothing. Just do nothing. Just neglect so great a salvation, that's all you have to do. You, you might say, well, I'm a good person. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't go there. I don't do that. But you neglect. You do nothing about your soul concerning salvation. And so you end up doing the very thing that will send you to a place 
called hell where God is not. The Bible says and Jesus says it is a place of torment. Well, that's not a popular message. But you know, Jesus preached it. I'm in good company. God warns of the peril of ignoring the Son's message. It is a great salvation. This message is a great salvation. This message that Jesus brought, this message that these men sang about, it is a message that is a great message. It's all in our favor. It's all good for us. It's all to help us. One of my favorite commentators said that Albert Barnes, who was Presbyterian, but he lived, I think he lived in the 1800s. And Albert Barnes says that this salvation is great because the author is great. He says this salvation is great because it saves from great sins. This salvation is great because it saves from great dangers. This salvation is great because it conveys us to heaven. And this salvation is great because it was secured at great cost. Jesus. Stretched out his arms. And died. Great cost. How shall we escape. If we neglect. So great. A salvation. There's a third thing this morning. Briefly, do not doubt the reality of so great a salvation. The author to the Hebrews tells us that there is a threefold witness to the greatness of Jesus' message. First of all, the Lord preached this message. The Lord preached this message. See what he says here? Which, in the middle of the verse, verse 3, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. You know what some of the first words of the Lord Jesus Christ were when he started his ministry? He came out of the desert and he started his ministry. His words, his message was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I, I don't think you can improve on that. I don't think you can do better than that. I don't think we should leave that out. I don't think that we should in this day get so caught up in trying to solve the, the, uh, the, the, the social problems of the day and make everybody feel good and make everyone feel like they can go skipping out of church just feeling like, oh, it's just been a whole lovely time here at church. We love one another. Well, I hope you do. But I'll tell you this. The greatest love you'll have for your fellow sister or brother is when your heart is right before God. And when your heart and my heart is right before God, there will ooze out of our pores the love of God. Great message. Repent. Just simple. Because we all need it. The Lord preached the message. The apostles confirmed the message. Notice what it says again. And was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That is to say that the writer to the Hebrews was kind of a second generation. And he's talking about the apostles. 
And he's saying that these individuals who preached that message of Jesus, they confirmed it. We heard it. Thirdly, thirdly, and importantly, God improved, or excuse me, God approved this message. God approved this message. That's the reason I don't have to dress it up or make it palatable. This is the reason I don't have to present the Word of God in any other form or fashion than it presents itself. This is the reason I don't have to twist it to make it uh, 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 more easy to swallow in our generation because we live in a wicked generation. And so much is going on. So much is anti-God and being approved by, right, right, right from the, our, our legislators, our judicial system, our presidents. I mean, the, 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 the approval that's being placed and the excuses that are being made for the things that mitigate against the very things God has said. God does not approve of that message. Therefore, I have no fear. I have no problem with speaking a message that God does approve. And God approved of this message. He showed it so with signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, as it says here, to authenticate the gospel message. And these gifts were given according, it says here, to his own will. God's in charge. Gifts, the revelation of God, I didn't call myself to preach. God did it. Too many people in this world, too many men in this world, who have adopted preaching as a profession. They have decided that they're going to be a preacher. Or mom has told them that they ought to be a preacher. Whatever it is. And the call of God is not on their life. The call of God and the approval of God is not on their life. And it shows when they stand in the pulpit. And that goes for any. You know, you may not have the gift of teaching because God didn't give it to you. Don't despair. God has to give that to you. You may not have the gift of showing mercy. You may not have the gift of giving or you may. God dispenses the gifts according to his will. He is in charge. He's the head of the church. He's the one that tells us to put one foot in front of the other. And we do what he wants us to do. It is his message, his way, his message, his son, and his gospel. In any other way, we would make a terrible mess. You can't fix the heart of man. You can't legislate righteousness. Only the invasion of the Holy Spirit into the heart of man can fix the problems in our world today. And the truth is, our world will not be fixed. How do I know? God said so. But in the time between now and then, When this world passes away, we can do everything to get the message out. We can do everything to shout out that there is a better message. It is called so great a salvation.
for our family, our friends, our children, those we love, to ensure that this great salvation becomes theirs. The greater the message, the greater the accountability. Do not let it drift by. Do not ignore it. Do not doubt it. It is God's message. Praise His holy name. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning knowing, O Lord, that you doeth all things well. We come to you this morning knowing, O Lord, that you are the controller. We come to you, O Lord, this morning amazed at how you orchestrate your will. And Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or whether by television, whatever it may be, oh Lord, you are speaking to their heart, not me. So I pray that they would listen, give heed, not neglect the word. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.